0: Zigzag ophidian this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by jeff chestnut zigzag ophidian by arthur morrison and j a shepherd from the strand magazine april 1893 librivox coffee break collection number 8 there is a certain coolness almost to be called a positive want of cordiality between snakes and human beings. More, the snake is never a social favorite among the animals called lower. Nobody makes an intimate friend of a snake. Popular natural history books are filled and running over with anecdotes of varying elegance and mendacity, setting forth extraordinary cases of affection and cooperation between a cat and a mouse, a horse and a hen, a pig and a cockroach, a camel and a lobster, a cow and a wheelbarrow, and so on. But there is never a snake in one of these quaint alliances. Snakes do not do that sort of thing, and the anecdote designer's imagination has not yet risen to the feet of compelling them, although the stimulus of competition may soon cause it. The case most nearly approaching one of friendship between man and snake known to me is the case of Tyrell, the sioux snake-keeper and his Laidly worms but then the friendship is mostly on terrell's side and moreover terrell is rather more than human as anyone will admit who sees him hang boa constrictors round his neck of course one often hears of boys making pets of common english snakes but a boy is not a human creature at all he is a kind of harpy the prairie marmot and the burrowing owl come into neighborly contact with the rattlesnake but the acquaintance does not quite amount to friendship the prairie marmot takes a lot of trouble and builds a nice burrow and then the owl who is only a slovenly sort of architect himself comes along and takes apartments it has never been quite settled whether or not the lodger and the landlord agree pleasantly together but in the absence of any positive evidence they may be given credit for perfect amiability because nobody has found traces of owl in a dead marmot's interior nor of marmot in an owl's, but the rattlesnake is another thing. He waits till the residence has been made perfectly comfortable, and then comes in himself, not in the friendly capacity of a lodger, but as sort of an unholy ridder, a scaly man in possession. He eats the marmot's family, and perhaps the marmot himself, curling himself up comfortably in the best part of the drawing-room. The owl and his belongings he leaves severely alone, but whether from a doubt as to the legality of distraining upon the goods of a lodger or from a certainty as to the lodger's goods including claws and a beak naturalists do not say personally i incline very much to the claw and beak theory having seen an owl kill a snake in a very neat and workmanlike manner and indeed the rattlesnake sometimes catches a tartar even in the marmot it isn't terror of the snake that makes him unpopular the most harmless snake never acquires the confidence of other creatures and one hesitates to carry it in his hat this general repugnance is something like backing a bill or paying a tailor entirely a matter of form nothing else has sympathy with the serpent's shape when any other animal barters away his legs he buys either fins or wings with them this is a generally understood law invariably respected But the snake goes in for extravagance in ribs and vertebrae, an eccentric, rakish, and improper proceeding, part of an irregular and rafish life. Nothing can carry within it affection or even respect for an animal whose tail begins nowhere in particular, unless it is at the neck, even if any creature may esteem it an animal at all, that is, but a tail with the mouth and eyes at one end. Dignify the mouth and eyes into a head, and you still have nothing wherewith to refute those who shall call the snake tribe NOT but heads and tails, a vulgar and rafish condition of life, of pothouse and tommy dodd suggestion. And this is why nothing loves a snake. It is not because the snake is feared, but because it is incomprehensible. The talk of its upas like influence, its deadly fascination, is chiefly picturesque humbug ducks will approach a snake curiously inwardly debating the possibility of digesting so big a worm at one meal the moving tail-tip they will peck at cheerfully this was the sort of thing that one might have observed for himself years ago here at the zoo at the time when the snakes lived in the old house in blankets because of the unsteadiness of the thermometer and were fed in public now the snakes are fed in strict privacy lest the sight overset the morals of visitors the killing of a bird a rabbit or a rat by a snake, being almost a quarter as unpleasant to look upon as the killing of the same animal by a man in a farmyard or elsewhere. The abject terror inspired by the presence of a snake is such that an innocent rat will set to gnawing the snake's tail in default of more usual provender, while a rabbit placed with a snake near skin-shedding time will placidly nibble on the loose rags of epidermis about the snake's side. The pig treats a snake with disrespect, not to say, insolence. Nothing, Ophidian or otherwise, can fascinate a pig. If your back garden is infested with rattlesnakes, you should keep pigs. The pig dances contemptuously on the rattlesnake and eats him with much relish, rattles and all. The last emotion of the rattlesnake is intense astonishment. And astonishment is natural in the circumstances. A respectable and experienced rattlesnake many years established in business has been accustomed to spread panic everywhere within ear and eye shot everything capable of motion has started off at the faintest rustle of his rattles and his view of animal life from those expressionless eyes has invariably been a back view and a rapidly diminishing one after a life-long experience of this sort to be unceremoniously rushed upon by a common pig to be jumped upon to be flouted and snouted to be treated as so much swill and finally to be made a snack of this causes a feeling of very natural and painful surprise in the rattlesnake but a rattlesnake is only surprised in this way once and he is said to improve the pork as a tour de force in the gentle art of lying the snake story is justly esteemed all the records in this particular branch of sport are held in the united states of america where proficiency at snakes is the first qualification of a descriptive reporter. The old story of the two snakes swallowing each other from the tail till both disappeared, the story of the snake that took its own tail in its mouth and trundled after its victim like a hoop, the story of the man who chopped a snake in half just as it was bolting a rat so that the rat merely toddled through the foremost half and escaped, all of these have been beaten out of sight in America. At present Brazil claims the record for absolute length of the snakes themselves but the Yankee snake story man will soon claim that record too he will explain that each state pays a reward for every snake killed within its own limits but that there are always disputes between the different states as to payment because most of the snakes killed are rather large crawling across several states at once here Among a number of viperine snakes of about the same size is a snake that lives on eggs. He is about as thick as a lead pencil, but that doesn't prevent him swallowing a large pigeon's egg whole, nor even a hen's egg at a pinch. It dislocates his jaw, but that is part of his professional system and when the business is over he calmly joints up his jaw again and goes to sleep. He is eccentric, even for a snake and wears his teeth on his backbone, where they may break the egg shell so that he may spit it away. When he first stretched his head round an egg, the viperine snakes in the same case hastily assumed him to be a very large tadpole, and since tadpoles are regarded with gastronomical affection by viperine snakes, they began an instant chase, each prepared to swallow the entire phenomenon, because a snake never hesitates to swallow anything merely on account of its size when finally the egg-swallower broke the egg and presented to their gaze the crumpled shell the perplexed viperine subsided and retired to remote corners of the case to think the matter over and forget it like the crowd dispersed by the circulating hat of the street conjurer familiarity with the snake breeds toleration he is a lawless sort of creature certainly with too many vertebrae and no eyelids but he is not always so horrible as he is imagined a snake is rather a pleasant thing to handle than otherwise warm firm dry hard and smooth on the scales rather like ivory to the touch he is also a deal heavier than you expect when for good behavior i have been admitted to Tyrrell's inner sanctum here and to the corridors behind the lairs where hang cast skins like stockings on a line i have handled many of his pets i have never got quite as far as rattlesnakes because rattlesnakes have a black gardley, welshing look that i don't approve but there is a robin island snake about five feet long with no poison who is very pleasant company it is a pity that these snakes have no pet names i would suggest the pirate as a suitable name for any snake from robin island for any one who has been bitten by a cobra or a rattlesnake or a puff adder There are many remedies, but few people who can recommend them from personal experience. It is to be feared that most of them unfortunately die before writing their testimonials. Perhaps they were too long deciding which thing to take. The most famous of these remedies, and probably the best on the whole, is to get excessively drunk. It is expensive to get drunk after a poisonous snake bite, because something in the veins fortified the head against the first bottle or two of whiskey getting drunk before the bite won't do although there would appear to be very widely prevalent impression that it will and a very common resolve to lay up a good store of cure against possible accidents in the future this may be misdirected prudence and nothing else but there is often a difficulty in persuading a magistrate to think so the snake will be eccentric even in the matter of its eggs most snakes secure originality and independence in this matter by laying eggs like an elongated tennis ball eggs covered with a sort of white parchment or leather instead of shell all the rest go further and refuse to lay eggs at all the snake insists on having his food fresh you must let him do his own killing many carry this sort of fastidiousness so far as to prefer taking it in alive and leaving it to settle matters with the digestive machinery as best it may A snake of this sort has lost his dinner before now by gaping too soon a frog takes a deal of swallowing before he forgets how to jump it is well to remember what to do in case of attack by a formidable snake if a boa constrictor or a python begin to curl himself about you you should pinch him vigorously and he will loosen his folds and get away from you some may prefer to blow his head off with a pistol but it is largely a matter of taste and one doesn't want to damage a good specimen the anaconda however who is the biggest of the constrictors won't let go for pinching in this case the best thing is not to let him get hold of you at all tobacco juice will kill a puff adder if you come across a puff adder you should open his mouth gently remembering that the scratch of a fang means death in half an hour or so and give him the tobacco juice in a suitable dose or you can run away as fast as possible, which is kinder to the snake and much healthier for yourself. By far the biggest snake here is the python, in the case opposite the door. He is more than twenty feet long and is seriously thinking of growing longer still. Tyrrell picks him up unceremoniously by the neck and shoves him head first into a tank of water when he seems to need a little stir and amusement i think perhaps after all the most remarkable thing being exhibited in the reptile house is terrell i don't think much of the indian snake charmers now see a cobra raise his head and flatten out its neck till it looks like a demoniac flounder set on end keep in mind that a bite means death in a few minutes presently you will feel yourself possessed with a certain respect for a snake charmer who tootles on a flute while the thing crawls about him but terrell comes along without a flute without as much as a Jew's harp, and carelessly grabs that cobra by the neck and strolls off with it wherever he thinks it ought to go, and you believe in European after all. He is a most enthusiastic naturalist, is Tyrrell. He thinks nothing of festooning a boa constrictor about his neck and arms, and in his sanctum he keeps young crocodiles in sundering watering pots and other crawling things in unexpected places. You never quite know where the next surprise is coming from i always feel doubtful about his pockets i shouldn't recommend a pickpocket to try them unless he really doesn't mind running up against a casual rattlesnake tyrrell is the sort of man who is quite likely to produce something from his cap and say by the by this is a promising youngster death-adder you know and here taking something else from his coat or vest pocket is a very fine specimen of the spotted coffin filler rather curious it isn't very poisonous kills in under an hour or so Now this, dragging another from somewhere under his coat, is rather poisonous. Deadly grave worm. Kills in three seconds. Lovely little chap, isn't he? Feel his head. Whereat you would probably move on. End of Zigzag Ophidian by Arthur Morrison and J A Shepherd, read by Jeff Chestnut.